Hello, and welcome to the C-Store Decisions Live podcast. I'm Erin Del Conte, Executive Editor of C-Store Decisions Magazine. Thank you for joining us. Please sit back and enjoy as we talk all things convenience retailing. Today, I'm here with Slayton Watley, Director of Operations for Columbus, Georgia-based Watley Oil Company, which operates Zelmo's Zip-In Convenience Stores. Slayton is the third generation in the family business, and he's here to share the chain's plans for growth in the months ahead. Hi, Slayton. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Really excited to, to talk with you today. Very cool. Well, I'm excited to learn all about your uh, your convenience store business. To kick us off, you know, how many convenience stores does Watley Oil operate, and in what states do you operate them? Yeah, great question. So, just a, a little bit of a distinction. We actually have 11 stores that we own and operate uh, under our own kind of brand. And those are both in Georgia and in Alabama. Um, I'm located here in Columbus, Georgia, and, and I'm about two miles from Alabama. So uh, really, really close uh, there. And then we have uh, around 90 stores uh, that are in some form of a partnership with us, whether that be a store that we're leasing out to a tenant uh, or one that is uh, just in a fuel service partnership with us. Um, and that ranges from Georgia, Alabama, and a few in northern Florida. Great. And so what banners do you operate the stores under? If we could start with the, the more company-owned stores, what banners do you use for those stores? And then, and then as far as your other stores go as well. Yeah. So as far as kind of the branding of the C-Store goes, um, our brand is called Zelmo's Zip-In. Um, that was actually a, a nickname of my dad's that has turned into a whole other character. It's kind of taken on a life of its own at this point. Um, but as far as fuel banners, uh, we operate under Sitgo, Chevron, and then Liberty, which has turned into one of our, our bigger partners probably in the last 10 years. Great. Well, I'm excited to learn all about the history of your company today and how it came about. So, you know, from your website, I see that Watley Oil was founded in January of 1955 by Bruce and Sarah Watley. And then uh, later on, the second generation, their sons, Steve and Greg, also joined the company. Uh, I understand Steve joined in 1976 and Greg in 1993. Uh, today, Steve helms the company as the president and CEO, while Greg is a, a co-owner in the business. Uh, do I have all that right so far or am I, am I off track? No, no, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it was my grandmother and grandfather, Sarah and Bruce, that founded the company. Uh, and I can always remember it was one year, my dad was one year old when they founded the company. So it's, it's always easy for me to remember uh, when, that, when that happened. Um, but yeah, my dad joined in 1976. His joke always, he was a University of Georgia graduate. And his joke was that he graduated at noon and was working by 2 p.m. that day in the business. So he, he has been in it kind of from, uh, kind of like me, um, you know, as soon as he could probably drive, he was working for his dad, went to college and immediately came back and started working in the company uh, in 1976. And my uncle, who's the older of the two brothers, joined in 1993 after 20 years as an Army helicopter pilot. So he's got a really great 
perspective that he brings to the company. Um, joined a little bit later on just due to his uh, service in the army. But yeah, that's right. Uh, my, my grandmother, Sarah, actually, she up until about a year ago, uh, she still has an office uh, in our main office. But up until about a, a year ago, she was in the office five days a week um, at 92. She's 93 now and has finally, I think, retired. But it took her until she was 93 to want to do that. So it's, it's a family business through and through. Wow, good for her. Very neat. Yeah. So that would make you, Slayton, the, the third generation in the family business. Is that correct? Steve is your father? Yep. That's correct. Yeah, third generation. I have two cousins that are all doing some really exciting stuff in their, in their own careers. Um, so right now, I'm third generation and the only third generation uh, Watley to be involved with the business currently. But hopefully there's some uh, fourth or fifth generations coming soon. And I hope that we make it to that point. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're the third generation in right now. Great. So tell me more about when you began working in the business and, and how you came to be in the business. Yeah. So it's, I took a very, very roundabout way. Uh, there was nothing direct about uh, my path to convenience stores. And if you would have asked me five years ago, I, I don't think that I would have ever envisioned myself working in convenience stores. But I lived out in Arizona and Southern California for the last 10 years uh, when I was out there. Worked in retail outlets, worked in the tourism industry, um, in and around Grand Canyon specifically, found my way to software, doing initially the exciting job of cold calling for software sales and kind of worked my way through several different roles in that industry. And then uh, I joked that it was my 30-year life crisis. I, I turned 30 and realized that I wanted to move home and be closer to my family, and I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to learn from my dad. So I have a lot of experience in the sales and retail environment, but none in convenience stores. So I, I came back three years ago, um, trained under a true veteran of the industry. His name was Ralph Byrne, phenomenal. I think he had been in the industry for 40 some odd years at that point. So it was just a tremendous wealth of knowledge for me and was very fortunate to be able to work with him for two years. And he unfortunately passed away very suddenly. And I was kind of thrown into the mix, but I'm grateful for that time with him. And I, I think that was kind of my crash course uh, in convenience stores was about a year and a half. So I'm still pretty green, but it's a really, really interesting industry. I think it's one that a lot of people outside of it don't know much about. And uh, once you get into it, it's, it's pretty interesting and pretty exciting stuff. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's just, uh, like I said, took a very roundabout way to get here. Great. I've heard that from a lot of uh, young executives in family companies that, you know, they, they start out in one route, but then they, they come back into the fold of the, the family business. Um, and today yeah. you're the director of operations. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Um, and, and, and that was Ralph's position prior uh, when I trained under him. But we are still a very small kind of scrappy company. And I, I enjoy that. I've, I've worked in startups in the past. And even though we've been around since 1955, the convenience store side of things is is still pretty lean, um, which has been a lot of fun. I think it's good, good in some ways, bad in others. But that title uh, is is probably just that, just a title. Um, we we kind of all do what needs to be done. Whether it's having a conversation with with you today, you know, by this later this afternoon, I may be replacing a breakaway on a pump. It just mm -hmm. kind of depends on what what needs to be done. But that's kind of my my official title right now, and kind of overseeing and, and steering the ship, if you will, currently. Great. And if I understood from what you were saying before, you are, uh, you're in your 30s. You're still a young executive under 40. Is that correct? I am. Yep. I, I am 33 years old. So 
Great. Um, still, so I have many years left to go, hopefully. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, let's talk about the, the convenience store business a bit. So I understand that Watley Convenience began in 1999. Uh, so tell me about, you know, where was the first store located? When did it open? Was it a, a new build or an acquisition? And, you know, when did the name Zumo Zippin sort of begin? Was that with that first store or later on? Yeah, great, great questions. And uh, I was able to have a, a really fun conversation with my dad and uncle uh, about this and, and having them walk me through, again, the history. I think they really get a kick out of that. So it, it led to a really fun conversation. But um, our first store, we still own and operate. It's one of our company owned and operated stores was in Leesburg, Georgia, which is kind of southwestern Georgia, close to where we started and where I grew up. And that was in 1999, and it was an acquisition. It was not a new build. It's a very unique looking store. And it turns out the, the gentleman that we bought it from was a home builder initially that had started kind of dabbling in convenience stores. So uh, it has more of like a ranch style house look to it. And now I know why. Uh, it was a home builder that, that built the store. So, but that's one of our sit goes. It's been with us since 1999. And actually the manager of that store has been with us almost since day one. I think she just celebrated her 20th year with us. So really, really neat to have someone that's, that's been with us for that long. As far as the name Zelmo Zippin, that was from the get go, but it, it for years kind of just existed as a, as a name on paper. It wasn't a recognizable brand. It, that was still kind of when I think folks associated a bit more with the fuel brand. So you may shop at a Citgo or a Chevron purely because of that. And no one really knew who was running the store. They just knew that they were getting Citgo gas. And I would say about five or six years ago, we really, really went all in on Zelmo Zippin on the name, on the brand. Um, we had a local art teacher here in Columbus. Actually, I'm looking at it right now, paint us our character, which is a a dog that is based on a, on a family dog uh, driving an old car. So that has uh, really taken off. It's uh, on all of our merchandise in the store, whether it be cups or employee shirts, hats, a lot of merchandise that we sell in the store. So Zelmo Zippin has really been a big push for us in trying to kind of establish that as a recognizable name. And I think we've done a really good job at it at this point. But it, it was my father's nickname back when he played high school basketball. I, I don't know where that came from, but uh, it has been around since he was a high schooler. So Zelmo now is kind of associated with this dog driving a car, which is pretty funny. But, um, but <laughs> at the outset, it was initially just his nickname. Very cool. And so how did the chain kind of grow to where it is today? Did you grow via acquisitions or new builds for exactly? Can you kind of talk me through the history that brought you to where you are in 2020? Yeah, absolutely. So it did for a long time grow through acquisition. We acquired that initial store in Leesburg, like I said, in 1999. Uh, and actually the second store that we got in Leesburg, it was a husband and wife that had owned both, and they held on to their second store a little bit longer, and we eventually ended up buying that store from them as well. And then back in the 90s, and I'm sorry I don't have an exact date on this, but it was actually late 90s, early 2000s, my dad had an opportunity to buy four Chevron locations here in Columbus. And this was all kind of happening when Chevron was starting to divest itself from retail operations. So these were actually Chevron-owned and operated sites. And we were able to get four of them in Columbus. And at that point in time, uh, we had no stores in Columbus. That was kind of our first foray into Columbus, a much bigger city than any place that we had ever been. And that's where a lot of our growth has been. So um, it has been through primarily 
acquisitions. And then starting about eight years ago, we built our first new convenience store. And we are working on our third new build as we speak. But prior to that, the other nine locations would all be acquisitions. New builds have really started for us in the last seven to eight years. Great. And so I know when you uh, have some acquisitions and some new builds, the, the physical stores can kind of look all different. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, if you can tell me more about what the physical stores look like and, and how, how the new builds kind of compare to your other stores as well. So for example, you know, what's the color scheme? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any remodels that are, that are happening right now? And how does the square footage uh, and departments, how do those kind of differ? Yeah. So this is this is one of the most interesting things about to me kind of coming into this business and and specifically our business. Um, And it really runs the gamut. Um, You can it's almost like a snapshot in history with some of our stories. You can not only see, you know, obviously it's kind of an older and dated looking building, um, but you can also get a glimpse into kind of the convenience store and gas industry 15, 20, 25 years ago. So right now we have, I'll give you kind of some, some examples. Uh, one store that can't be much bigger than my office, and I have a pretty small office, um, but it's a kiosk store. So very small, very limited space for merchandise and was really designed to sell gas. And if you sold a bag of chips or a drink, that was kind of an added perk but it was really designed to sell gas. So we have everything from a glorified walk-in closet, really, as far as the size goes, all the way up to our newest store, which is going to be just shy of 4,000 square feet. So a really big spread between those stores. But a lot of our stores are kind of those older Chevron Texaco food marts that uh, I'm sure a lot of people have seen. We are working to start trying to do some renovations and remodels on those, all kind of within the pre-existing shells. But the big difference with our, I was actually talking with someone this morning about this. The biggest difference with all of our new builds, I would say, is just kind of the orientation of the store compared to your fuel dispensers and fuel and canopy. I have noticed that a lot of our older stores are kind of an island setup. So you've got a store in the middle, you've got a canopy in some situations that actually spans clear across the store to both sides. And you may have four or six dispensers on either side of the store with the store situated in the middle. Our new builds are taking kind of that more modern approach where the store itself sits to the back, may only have one front door entrance and all of your fueling um, happens out front. So it's a, a much different just physical layout of the property. And we have taken an approach, I would say, where we're kind of leaning more into kind of a modern industrial uh, look for our stores. So lots of exposed ductwork and metals and stone, big, big front windows when you first walk in. So, you know, especially when you pull up at night, it's a very warm and inviting uh, storefront. Um, that's been a, a really big deal for us. So I'd say that's probably the the biggest difference is just the general layout of the property, as well as uh, the materials that we're using and just kind of the general style uh, of store. But it does make it interesting for us when one store may have uh, four cooler doors and the other store may have 12, 14, or 16 cooler doors. It kind of creates a situation where we have to treat each store as an individual store. It's hard to make decisions that we can kind of apply to, you know, across the chain for merchandising or planograms. Um, Those all have to be very unique for us. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned uh, a bit in there about some of the stores being renovated. Can you Mm -hmm. say any more about that, such as the the timeline with that and more about what that includes? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the three that we're working on right now uh, are actually two of the uh, very first stores down in Leesburg that we acquired to get started in convenience stores. And then one that's about 15 miles away from them in a, in a really rural setting. But the big thing that we're focused on right now is going in and remodeling all of our countertops and cabinets. Again, they're very dated. It's, you know, you can look at it and you know, oof, that, that countertop was built, you know, 20 years ago. So um, we're working on lightening everything up. A lot of dark colors seem to have been used previously. So going in, putting in nice light countertops, trying to modernize the cashier counter. Um, those stores have pretty substantial delis. So just making that whole deli fountain coffee bar much more inviting and modern. So um, that's where our focus is right now is, is kind of our uh, cashier counter as well as deli coffee and fountain. Um, and we're also going to be doing some bathroom remodels. We, we know that's an, an incredibly important part of convenience stores. So we're working hard at um, trying to get those stores restrooms renovated as well. Great. So you guys are very busy. Um, how else is your chain growing today? That's a great question. Uh, like I had mentioned, we are getting ready to build a new store. In fact, I had an email today saying they're going to be pouring the slab next week. And that has been probably close to a year in the works. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to see a year of paperwork finally start turning into something that when you drive by, you can see. Um, so that's our biggest plan for the remainder of this year. We're shooting for a January or February open. But to me, the most exciting part of this store is we're actually going all Zelmos. So um, we're not going to be partnering with a major fuel brand. Um, so when people drive by, uh, they're going to see Zelmos, whether it be on the pump, on the canopy, when they're in the store, on our team uniforms and hats. We wanted to finally take that leap and kind of go all Zelmos all the way. And that I feel like is what the last six, seven years of hard work uh, on establishing a brand is really kind of led up to. So that's a, a big leap for us. It, it's literally our first store we've ever done without any sort of recognizable fuel brand. So we're very excited about that. We've had to come up with all sorts of new designs for canopies, which is a first. So we're really, really excited uh, about that new store. And I think it's going to be a good step in the right direction and, and hopefully kind of a springboard for us over the next five or six years to build some new All Zelmos convenience stores. So that, that's kind of what we're looking at for the remainder of this year and the beginning of next year. Very exciting. And can you remind me where that store is going to be located? Yeah, it's, it's going to be in Columbus. It's a really exciting, uh, large, large development that's going in up there. It's going to be uh, mixed use. So I know there's there are residences, shops, restaurants. There's going to be an outdoor bandstand within eyeshot of our convenience store. So we're excited about the possibility that it brings a lot of people to our store uh, at some of those slower times, like on Saturdays or Sundays, if they're, you know, doing a weekend concert series or something. So it, it is going to be part of a much larger development on the northern end of our, our city here. Great. And how many square feet is that convenience store going to be? It, I believe, now don't, <laughs> I say don't quote me on this as I'm on a podcast, but <laughs> I believe that it's around 4,200 square feet. I, I, uh, we're actually co-branding with an Arby's, so uh, we'll build out the shell for an Arby's, and they'll come in and, and finish everything out. But I believe our side of the store is around 4,200 square feet. Great. And a lot of convenience stores are looking into or moving into that unbranded gas today. Can you say any more about the decision to go in that direction? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and you're right. A lot of stores are starting to kind of head in that direction. Obviously, being in Georgia, racetrack is always kind of a, 
a brand that I looked up to as far as the way that they they build their stores and their their branding efforts, I think are really, really good. Parker's, which is on the east coast of Georgia, they've done a phenomenal job. And then Quick Trip, I think kind of to me that I can remember one of the earlier stores that I saw, you know, kind of heading away from a, a big fuel partner. So it just kind of seems to be the the way things are going and it makes sense for us right now. And oftentimes it's if you're partnering with a major fuel brand, it can be a little more challenging to compete with your fuel prices. Um, you know, if you're if you're selling a top tier fuel and the store next to you is selling kind of whatever they can get for the cheapest price that day, it it makes competition a little bit more challenging. And so those are some of the reasons we've kind of decided to go that route for this particular build. But it, it does just seem like the time is right for us. Great. And so let's switch gears to uh, another topic that is uh, really big in convenience stores today, food service. Uh, mm. I know you mentioned a bit earlier that you have delis, uh, you mentioned the Arby's. So tell me about the food service programs that you offer as far as if they're proprietary branded both and the, the types of food that you provide through those brands. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with talking a little bit about our delis and hot food programs. Our three stores in the Leesburg area um, are the three that have really been built. It was a little bit of luck, I think. You know, 20 years ago, I don't think anyone necessarily understood how big deli, how big of a part deli was going to be of your inside sales. So we were fortunate that these stores were built to accommodate the equipment that we needed. Two of them have pretty substantial kitchens in them. So we're really able to do a lot with those stores. We are in the South. I am a a huge Southern food fan. Uh, A lot of our customers are as well. So one store in particular, um, you know, you're going to find kind of typical Southern fare, fried foods, fried chicken, especially we sell a tremendous amount, macaroni and cheese, again, just kind of your good Southern standards. Um, And we cook all of that in-house. And another one that I'm particularly excited about is a, is a small rural store. And we are learning that anything we put in there seems to do fairly well because there aren't many options. It's, it's actually the town uh, next to where I grew up, a town of about a thousand people. And we've done remarkably well there with our deli program because there just aren't many options. So if, if we introduce, like we did recently, a Taco Tuesday, or maybe on Friday we do barbecue ribs, that isn't something that people have access to on a regular basis. So we've had a lot of fun with trying out kind of fixed menus and plate options for our customers out of a a relatively small kitchen space um, and have seen a lot of success there. That's a unique store because there isn't much around it. You know, you're not competing with McDonald's or Arby's or a Taco Bell. So that I think is a, a unique store for us. But our grocery provider has really stepped up their game as well with what, what they offer, what you can do with a small footprint kitchen. So they've been a, a huge help to us in kind of getting that set up. So those, those are the three stores we run kind of your traditional, you know, hot food deli program out of. And then one of our current stores and our new build, we've gone the kind of co-branding route where the, you know, the, the fast food restaurant, those situations is, is simply a tenant for us, but we know that they draw in a lot of people and it allows us to focus on quick, convenient style food and lets them focus on, on cooking. We, we are uh, not uh, a restaurant. None of us have, have any experience in that. So uh, we want to continue focusing on convenience foods and fueling. So if we can work with someone that's an expert in that and let them kind of handle that for us. That's the route that we've, we've started taking with some of our more urban, you know, bigger, bigger city stores. Great. And so for the proprietary, uh, the hot food deli in those three mm-hmm. stores that you mentioned, do you have a name that goes along with that or, or various names? 
Yeah, uh, we, we do. So we really have two distinct programs at both of those stores. One is more or less proprietary. We're coming up with the the menus, we're sourcing foods from kind of wholesale grocers, um, nothing identifiable there. We're selling fried chicken. It's, you know, it's our uh, breading recipe. It's our, you know, we're sourcing the, the fresh chicken. It's not a, like a Chester's or anything like that. It's uh, kind of our own proprietary thing. But we do run a Hunt Brothers pizza program in all three of those stores. And that is really what kind of kickstarted our deli program. It's been pretty amazing to see what we have been able to do working with Hunt Brothers and, you know, a relatively small investment uh, with really just one single piece of equipment with their pizza oven. So Hunt Brothers has, has been a, a, a really good partner for us in those Southern stores. Wonderful. Um, and so do you offer any other businesses at your convenience store? So I know you mentioned the co-branding with the Arby's earlier. Are there any other QSRs that are on your properties, for example, or a car wash business or anything like that? So uh, we do have a few car washes that uh, have have really turned into offsite storage for us. We dabbled in car washes, and again, we that they kind of came with the property. These were the Chevrons in Texaco's, where car washes were once such a big thing with them. We were never between maintenance and repair costs. We were never able to really make that work. So we don't have any car washes in all of our properties. If there is food on it, it's either attached to our building and kind of one of those tenant uh, relationships or we're serving it. So we, we don't do any other type of uh, retail partnership on our property. It's, it's usually just our convenience stores and, and possibly a fast food restaurant that's attached to us. Great. Um, so let's switch over to technology, another really mm. big topic in convenience yeah. stores today with all of the, the digital disruption. So what are you doing or looking at doing with technology today? So I was thinking about this question a lot, and I, I'm glad that you used the word disruption. To me, that term really has uh, come to fruition in a different way, which is it has been a disruption to my focus and a distraction at times. As I mentioned uh, earlier uh, in our, our conversation prior to, to getting on the podcast, I worked in the technology sector. I sold software. I'm a millennial through and through. I, you know, if, if uh, I have a question or if I need something, my first response is to get on my phone or let's see if there's an app for that, you know it seems almost like I'm trying to avoid having to interact with people uh, by, uh, you know, having my food delivered or, or ordering online. But for us, we have made the decision as of late to really, really focus on providing the best in-store customer experience. And that, I say all of that because I have a tendency to be distracted when I see a new product or a new software or a new rewards program or mobile payment because it's, it is an exciting and interesting industry. But we have made the decision to kind of put a lot of that on hold for now uh, and make sure that we're offering the best in-store experience possible to our customers. We, we want to make sure that we've got the traditional way of business down pat and, and down to a science before we start branching out into delivery or uh, being able to order your products, you know, through a mobile app or ordering online. Uh, and, and I've had plenty of opportunities to do that and a lot of great conversations with companies. Um, but like I said, we've just kind of made the decision to pump the brakes on that a little bit and focus for at least the next year on getting our uh, operational consistency, you know, making sure that we have receipt paper in our pumps, for example, something as, as simple as that, making sure that we're able to do that really well. Now, I will say that we did just start working with a company called Zenput, 
to help us with that operational consistency. And so in that regard, we are utilizing a, a really neat app-based technology, but it's all designed to be a tool to help us with that in-store experience. That helps us track tasks being completed in the stores. Employees can submit photos of maintenance issues. So we've seen a much quicker response to you know um, a credit card reader being down in a pump, for example. I comb through several hundred images every single morning, and it's incredible what I've been able to learn, you know, not being able to be in the stores every day that I've been able to pick up, whether it's a, um, a soap dispenser in a bathroom that I realize there's never soap in, you know, and it's all, the soap is always sitting beside the dispenser for some reason. And so we have been working with Zenput for about three months now, and it has been a really great tool for us. So that's probably the most useful piece of technology that we've introduced lately. We have tried customer rewards programs previously and just struggled with the execution of that. So again, that's one reason we've kind of made the call to, to just kind of take a step back and, and make sure that we're doing what we initially set out to do as well as possible. And so one thing that is uh, disrupting normal operating practices these days in 2020 is, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes. How has COVID-19 affected your business or uh, your business practices? Yeah, I'd be interested to meet someone who said that it has not affected them very much. Uh, I would love to meet that person. It seems like it's kind of affected every possible point of our lives, you know, to date. So um, for us, I would say uh, March and April, um, I had quite a bit of tossing and turning and some sleepless nights worrying kind of what it was going to do. You know, we, there was still so much unknown about it at that point that I didn't know if we were going to have to shut stores down. You know, we, we did do some reduced hours at a few stores for about three months to build in some extra uh, cleaning and sanitizing time at the end of the night and just trying anything that we could do really to, you know, limit our cashier's exposure to customers and, and vice versa while still keeping the doors open. Since then, uh, a few things that we have done, um, and I think a lot of people are doing, taking similar steps, but we have installed physical barriers between all of our cashiers and customers and that has been really well perceived. I, you know, I, I think it, if nothing else, helps show the customer that we are making an effort to try to separate them a little bit from the, the cashier. About two months ago, we implemented a mandatory mask policy with our employees. And I know some would maybe argue that it should have been done sooner. And in retrospect, that was a, a failure of mine. But we have implemented a mandatory mask policy for employees, and we encourage our customers to wear a mask. Um, we do stop short of creating any sort of confrontation. I feel like our cashiers have enough to deal with on a daily basis. So those have been the two biggest things. And then we've also um, installed stickers on the floor. They're kind of a big red dot that has our logo on it, reminding people to, to stand six feet apart. And it, it really is incredible if you go into one of our stores and it's crowded, people will be lined up directly on those dots. So it's been nice to see that, um, you know, we're getting a lot of community participation with that. Everyone's trying their best to keep everyone safe. So th those have been kind of the main ways that, that we've implemented some primarily social distancing practices in our stores. But Aaron, I will, I will say one more thing to that that was very interesting to me. I, I kept thinking, you know, I'll, I'll look back on this in 10 or 15 years, and it may feel like a, a big kind of turning point and, and, and learning experience for us. While our fueling has taken a hit, just with less people on the road, especially when we had uh, shelter-in-place orders here in Georgia, you know, that, that obviously took a toll on the gallons of gas that we sold. But we have seen 
an uptick actually, even compared to last year in inside sales, which was a little surprising given how low our gallons were compared to last year. But I actually think a lot of that has come from, uh, we, we made a big push to advertise and educate that we offered grocery items, toilet paper, paper towel, eggs, milk, cheese, sandwich meats, bread, a, a slim selection still compared to a grocery store, but really made a big push. We did a lot of TV advertising, social media advertising, making sure that our community knew that if they didn't want to go to the grocery store and they just needed a gallon of milk, they could come see us. So uh, I have to think that, uh, that that has helped our inside sales a little bit. So that, that was just another interesting takeaway from this whole, whole thing. Very neat. Wonderful. And so looking ahead, you know, what's ahead for you for the rest of this year and heading into 2021? You know, are there any goals or plans that you're able to, to mention? Yeah. And, and like I had mentioned earlier, I think our biggest ones right now are our buildings. Um, we have gotten much better and a little more aggressive, I think, in handling maintenance issues that maybe in the past could have used a patch or a Band-Aid here or there, um, really going in and saying, okay, you know, if we've patched this roof three times, maybe we need to replace the roof. So um, really making a big effort to make sure that all of our buildings are in the best shape that they can be, looking at doing those countertop and cashier and deli remodels this year. So um, that will actually be taking place in the next couple of months, which I'm really excited about. And then next year, uh, the launching of our new store, hopefully breaking ground on a new office and bulk plant for our wholesale side of the business. So I'm very excited about that. Um, We're currently in an office and a piece of property that's been a bulk plant for probably 60 or 70 years. So we're in dire need of, uh, of an upgrade. So that will be a big 2021 project for us. Uh, and I, I think allow us to, to grow our, our team, allow us to hire hopefully some, some really great candidates. You know, if you pull up now and come into my wood paneled office, you may go, uh, I don't know about this company, but it's no doubt that we need a larger space and upgrade there. And then the only other thing for the remainder of this year for us that I wanted to mention because I'm proud of it and I'm proud of, of who we've, we've been able to work with, but um, we have some really fun initiatives coming up here in Columbus. We partner with one of our local news outlets, WRBL, and our biggest kind of event of the year is our two things, Kids Summer Cupboard, which we just had about two months ago, vitally important this year with kids not being in school and not having access, some of them, to a hot meal. Uh, we did a month-long food drive, some big kind of kickoff remotes with our local news channel and had a really, really great turnout of food uh, and financial donations from the community to help uh, a local food bank here. And that all goes to uh, making sure that kids have something to eat when they're not in school. So that has been really exciting. And then um, our next one is our big toy drive around the holidays. And that is always uh, a lot of fun. We get a great turnout. I can't tell you how many boxes of toys I've had to empty out and put back in our stores. So the community and our customers have, have been really great about helping out. And that's, that's a goal of ours is and uh, in, in something I think can set us apart from some of the major chain competitors that we may have in this area is our focus on community um, and really making it a point to serve those who have served us. So I, I just wanted to mention that we've always got stuff going on with those guys throughout the year that has nothing to do with selling candy bars, but we have a, a physical space they can use, and it's always a lot of fun to work with them and some of the local nonprofits here in town. 
Very fun. And Slayton, I'd like to go back to something you said uh, a little bit ago. You mentioned the, the bulk wholesale plant. Is that something that you're, you're offering already, but you're going to be able to move that into a bigger space? Or is that something you're launching for the first time? Great question. I'm sorry. I, I may not have been very clear on that. So that's what started in 1955. We've been in the, the wholesale petroleum business for, since 1955. And the convenience side of things is still, well, 20 years or a little over 20 years old for us now, but we have been traditionally and still a, a vast majority of our businesses on the wholesale side. So uh, we have just outgrown uh, a very old office. So we're looking to, to open a, a newer, larger version essentially of, of what we have now to help support um, our wholesale side and hopefully provide space for us to grow our leadership team and administrative team on the convenience store side as well. Wonderful. Wholesale fuel. I was misunderstanding and thinking you were talking oh. more about product distribution. So I, yeah, okay. I back on great. the same page. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're going to stick with, uh, with, with fuel for now, but who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Sounds good. Well, is there anything else that you'd like me to know about your company that I didn't ask? Only that it has been interesting for me to see through mergers and acquisitions, the consolidation and buying up of smaller independent chains from, and everybody knows the larger organizations out there. I really appreciate how they raise the bar and kind of push the industry forward. So I, I think in one regard, you know, the, the larger corporations out there, they do a lot of good for uh, our industry by kind of forcing us all to stay competitive and sharp and innovative, but it's, uh, it has been really interesting to see. We're, we're one of the few family-owned kind of privately held chains in this part of the state right now. And so, yeah, really curious to see how that plays out, but it's something that we're proud of and, and we're trying to make sure that, you know, folks know we're a local company. But yeah, it has been very interesting to see that play out and uh, just something I wanted to kind of mention uh, as, a, as a parting note is that, you know, we, we are still a, a scrappy, lean, small company. So even being able to have a conversation with you and your publication today feels like a, a pretty cool experience for us. So thank you very much for the time and, and giving me an opportunity to uh, evangelize a little bit about uh, Watley Convenience Stores and, and Zelma Zip In. Well, great. Well, thanks for sharing with us all about your chain. And I'm excited to continue to watch all the really great things you do in the year ahead. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Erin. I appreciate it and have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You as well. You've been listening to the C-Store Decisions Live podcast. For more podcasts, visit cstoredecisions.com or follow me on Twitter at cstoreD underscore Erin. That's cstoreD underscore E-R-I-N.